Welcome back to the New Wave Nerds. I'm your host, Brennan Sem. Got a lot of exciting news today. We got a little update on the whole Jonathan Majors fiasco. Got a lot of information, actually, about uh, Secret Invasion. Um, let's see, we got a, some little more news about Thunderbolts and then some Blue Beetle stuff as well. Jumping into the DC world right at the end there. Uh, without further ado, why don't we just hop right into our first story? So, as uh, you likely remember, um, <laughs> there was the whole Jonathan Majors event, let's say. But for those of you who don't remember, since it has been a little while, little recap. Jonathan Majors obviously plays King the Conqueror in the MCU, and about two weeks ago or so, um, he was arrested and charged with uh, some counts of assault and strangulation. The next day, his... Uh, attorney team said that he was completely innocent uh, and they had a bunch of exculpatory evidence related to it. I mean, I think there was a video, they said, as well as some statements, uh, legal statements from the victim recanting her allegations against Jonathan Majors. Now, we don't have any of that video yet, but we do have some text messages that were sent by the uh, the victim, the lady, towards, or to, I suppose is more accurate, Jonathan Majors, uh, and those were released by his legal team. So, let's see, the first message that she sent here says, I'm just going to read the, the message in its entirety. Please let me know you're okay when you get this. They assured me that you won't be charged. They said they had to arrest you as protocol when they saw the injuries on me and they knew we had a fight. I'm so angry that they did. And I'm sorry you're in this position. We'll make sure nothing happens about this. I told them it was my fault for trying to grab your phone. I only just got out of hospital. Uh, just call me when you're out. I love you. Um, and then the second message a few hours later reads, They just called again to check on me and I reiterated how this was not an attack and they do not have my blessing on any charges being placed. I read the paper they gave me about strangulation and I said point blank this did not occur and should be removed immediately. The judge is definitely going to be told this. She assured this to me. I know you have the best team and there's nothing to worry about. I just want you to know that I'm doing all I can on my end. I also said to tell the judge to know... Wait, what? I also said to tell the judge to know that the origin of the call was to do with me collapsing and passing out and your worry as my partner due to our communication prior out of care. She promised all will be relayed. So my understanding now is that um, it was actually Jonathan Majors who made the 911 phone call. Um, so obviously that lends a little bit of evidence towards the fact that it wasn't, you know, just... <laughs> an assault um just I, but see here's the deal um here's the the part that really that really um sort of like confuses me a little bit is in the first message when she says i told them it was my fault for trying to grab your phone now that um sounds <laughs> a little bit like one of those things uh like for example uh to use uh, an, an example that is not an actual case because that just gets uncomfortable for everybody. There's an episode of Family Guy <laughs> where um, Quagmire's sister is dating uh, a very abusive, abusive man. And when she's talking about it, she goes and says, well, he's just doing it to correct me. That's sort of like she's, quote, like taking the blame. Um, but just because, you know, she i don't know said something wrong or whatever it is no you know excuse to just just get you know clocked um to put it sort of bluntly um so i i don't know exactly what what what's going on here i mean that that sent apart from that i mean everything else seems to be like a a sort of man i really don't know what's going on it's so weird i mean that's sort of um her statement in the second message where she was like, uh, I also said to tell the judge to know that the origin of the call was to do with me collapsing and passing out and your worry as my partner due to our communication prior. That sort of lines up a little bit with what the lawyer was saying last week where it was um, emotional distress more than anything else. 
but man, I don't know. This is all so weird. I want to believe Jonathan Majors, you know, because I, I want to believe that he's a stand-up guy who wouldn't um, just, you know, strangle a woman. Uh, although, I, I suppose I should stop saying strangle. I should say assault, because according to the, the victim, uh, the, the strangulation did not occur. So then if there's no strangulation, then what is the cause of the marks on the neck and the whole, like, the reason that she was admitted to the hospital? I don't know. I mean, ultimately, all of this is pointless until we really see the video. You know, I mean, <laughs> like, there's always the chance that, like, you know, the victim sent these messages because if we're assuming that Jonathan Majors is guilty, um, the reason that she would send these messages is because, I don't know, she didn't want to pay or she couldn't afford to pay for a lawyer or he was going, I don't know, if there's some hush money payments or something. Um, I mean, stuff like that, unfortunately, does happen relatively often. So I don't know. I mean, but before, I was pretty confident that Jonathan Majors was innocent. Now I'm not so much so. That sentence where it was like, it was my fault for trying to grab your phone, that really throws a wrench <laughs> into the into the, the workings, as it were. Man, such a weird, what a horrible situation for everybody to be involved in. But I suppose, you know, I mean, that's really it. <laughs> some Some evidence there that sort of works for Jonathan Majors, some sort of implications... Uh, sort of some sort of subtext there that it's still an issue. I don't know. I suppose we'll see when the video gets released or when this gets adjudicated, um, in, in a legal body. But yeah, that was just all. I mean, that was it was a little short, tiny update. Um, I just wanted to get it out at the beginning there. So into our more important news story, maybe not more important because that sort of belittles the whole situation. But our more, um. Our, our, our story that is more topical and uh, related to the subject matter of this podcast in general is some secret evasion stuff. So uh, the trailer just dropped. Um, was that a couple days ago, maybe yesterday? I think two days ago. I don't know. I suppose that's not the most important factor. Um you should go watch it because whoa, it looks good. <laughs> it really looks good. I mean, it, 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 I was mostly, I was pretty excited for Secret Invasion, um, prior to this, just based off of the things we'd been hearing and, and the little teaser trailer that they dropped. Um, but now I'm fully invested. I mean, this, this thing looks incredible. It's sort of, it's the tone that I'm looking for. Um, it seems to be like a spy espionage type thriller, which is what I was looking for. Um, I mean, I've wanted that. I wanted that for Black Widow. And I mean, that's partially what we got from Captain America Winter Soldier. Um, so I think that tone is going to be really interesting. Um, and apart from that, I mean, it just it looks just beautiful. I mean, the the. The different effects look incredible. Ugh, man, I'm so, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Man, yeah, I don't have anything to say other than I just it, it looks so good, and I really think you should watch it. Um, so that is the, the tentative release date for that is June 21st. So pretty soon, pretty soon. We got, what, two months? Wow, that's crazy. Well, I mean, basically three months. Basically three months. Because uh, it's it is sort of towards the end of June, but nonetheless, it's really close. I um, for some reason in my head that wasn't going to be here until like November. I don't know why I was thinking that, but um, I'm glad it's going to be soon. Obviously, I'm really excited. <laughs> uh, I I I'm really interested in um, I, I I would be curious to know like how much of this is going to be actual like spy thriller and how much of it is going to be action. Because uh, the trailer, I think, lends itself more to, like, say, 75-25 in favor of spy thriller. I think it should be a little bit more than that. I'm thinking, like, 95-5. <laughs> That's not what's going to happen. Um, obviously, there's going to be a, a, a big action and a big fight scene and and presumably some, some interesting uh, uh, fight sequences and stuff like that, but... I don't know. I I really just want, and maybe I'm I'm almost certainly in the minority as far as this opinion goes. But I really just want like a um, 
a down-to-earth spy thriller where it's all about, you know, secret keeping and, and intrigue and, and, and something of that nature. That's not going to happen. Um, but I really, I really just like that. <laughs> I think, especially with like how wild the rest of the MCU is, you know, I mean, there's just like an, the scope is just increasing and increasing and there's more and more world ending events and epic fight scenes. I think, I just want to see something that is down to earth, something that sort of grounds the universe a little bit, even though obviously there's aliens. <laughs> so it can, you know, I mean, grounded within a reason, um, but, but more grounded than, than it feels like a lot of the past projects we've been getting have been. But yeah, so apart from that, um, before that trailer dropped, I was actually going to do an update on Secret Invasion anyway, because Samuel L. Jackson and some other people involved with the show gave an interview to Variety, uh, and they really gave us a lot of information. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so uh, they said that the... I mean, this this could have been assumed, but they've said, said specifically that um, the main tension of this series is that, you know, obviously at the end of, of Captain America, Nick Fury promised to find the scrolls a place to live. Um, a home where they could be themselves and just exist free of, of persecution um, and just live live peaceably. But obviously that was set in the 80s. 80s? 90s? I think it actually might have been 90s, um, now that I say that. 1995. Um, sorry, I just had to Google it. Uh, so yeah, 1995, and it is now... Like I said, I don't. I guess I don't know the actual timeline of the universe anymore. But somewhere around 2025, 26. I don't think maybe even 27. I don't know. <laughs> it's all confusing. Somewhere in that range. Um, so it's been what 30 years? A little over 30 years. And naturally, these people are upset because evidently Fury. That, well, they haven't found a place to live, whether that's because, you know, they've been trying and it hasn't worked or because Fury has been utilizing them to achieve his own goals is unknown at the current time. We do know that um, Fury has been using uh, a group of scrolls to act as spies to to gather information and you know, do the general spy intelligence thing. I, I don't think they've been, you know, destabilizing any regimes or anything, <laughs> but mostly just information gathering, I would assume. Maybe a few assassinations. We'll find out. Um, but he has been using them because of their shape-shifting abilities. So naturally, you know, it's pretty beneficial to a spy. Um, so that leads me to believe that maybe, you know, he's been, you know, dragging his... his um, knuckles that's the phrase i'm looking for dragging his knuckles is that the phrase i'm looking for i don't know he's been taking his time <laughs> with uh with finding them a place to live because he realizes the benefit in using these shapeshifters to um achieve his ends so that's interesting um and then obviously the main villain of the well the uh i, I guess maybe not the main villain, but the the most obvious villain uh, from the trailer is going to be this scroll by the name of Gravik, who is played by Kingsley Ben Adir uh, from One Night in Miami, who is leading this group of extremists who are trying to achieve their goals, and they will use any means necessary. So they've been, um, you know, obviously using some more subtle methods to achieve their ends, but also they're not opposed to using force to get what they want. So that that's pretty interesting. There's a really cool um, there's a really cool scene in the trailer where Ben Mendelsohn, uh, Talos, the good quote unquote good scroll, um, the one who's been working with Nick Fury, he sort of charges at um, at at Gravik, and then all of the scrolls. Well, I suppose maybe we don't know their scrolls. It could be a situation where we assume they're real people, but then they all stand up and take the visage of the human that Gravik is impersonating. So, you know, I mean, it, it's a pretty interesting and it's a pretty exciting visual. Um, I hope for that scene it is 
like a situation where Ben Mendelsohn Talos thinks he's just talking to Gravik alone, surrounded by humans, but then it turns out that everybody involved is a scroll. I think that would be good because it sort of hits home that point of who are you really, which is the the main theme of this show, and it was the main theme of the of the Brian Michael Bendis comic series that the show is based off of. But apart from Gravik, we do have some other antagonists that are going to be taking a leading role. Um, most notably so is Amelia Clark, who is going to be playing uh, a, a scroll by the name of Gaia. Uh, now, this is something that in this article, uh, but some people might, excuse me, the note in the article was that the showrunners don't consider this a spoiler, but some viewers might consider it. So, you know, skip forward five seconds or whatever, 10, 10 20, 30 seconds. Um, I'd say 30 seconds to be safe, and then you can scrub back because <laughs> um, I, I might talk for a little while. Um, but Gaia is Talos's daughter. So at the end of, of Captain Marvel, you know, when Talos gets reunited with uh, the rest of the scrolls aboard the, the Lably, Marvel's lab laboratory in space, man, that movie was bad. <laughs> um, you know, there's his wife, and then there's a little girl who's shown there, and they have come out and said that that little girl was Gaia, was Amelia Clark. So that's interesting. Um, she has said that Gaia harbor- harbors a lot of resentment towards Talos. Um, you know, obviously, it is one can assume that it would be pretty tough being the child of this political leader, this leader of this faction, especially one who is according to her, at least perceived to as to have failed, right? Because if, if Talos's function uh, and his goal was to find them a place to live, you know, and it's 30 years later and um, that hasn't happened yet, it would be reasonable for, for his population to be like, Hey dude, you know, you said you were going to do this for us and we were going to live happy and peacefully and, and be ready to go. And it's been 30 years and it's not yet. Um, so it would be it would be reasonable, uh, as far as I'm concerned, for them to be pretty upset. But Gaia, Amelia, I, su- I suppose Amelia Clark has said that Gaia uh, harbors a lot of resentment towards um, not just Talos, but also the humans in general who who Talos has been working with. Um, so one can assume that she, in addition to Gravik, sort of perceives them to have maybe used the scrolls to achieve their ends and have their and that's why their um what was promised has not been has been given yet so that would be interesting um that's a, a really interesting dynamic um and another thing that amelia clark said which i forgot until just now was i think the fact that up until the end of the movie nobody knew that talos had a daughter is really telling of the dynamic within their relationship. And I think that is interesting. I would love to see that sort of play out. Um, And it it is curious to me that her name is Gaia, which is a, um, obviously Gaia from Greek mythology is sort of the mother of, of the world, right? And so I wonder if there is going to be a connection where Gaia is, Here's, here's how I think it, it would play out. <laughs> and this is based purely off of the fact that I would think, one, Amelia Clark would want to be involved quite a bit. Um, two, the fact that... Um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. I don't know what the second option was. Oh, obviously, two. Just, I mean, this is partially based purely off of her name, right? <laughs> so take this with a massive grain of salt. Um, but the way that I see it going out is uh, Gaia's story arc plays out in three separate acts. The first act is her, uh, you know, just explaining, uh, voicing, expressing this sort of dissatisfaction she has with, with Talos, with the current state of the scroll, you know, collective, whatever the, the former scroll empire. Um, that's the first act. And at the end of that, she joins up with Gravik who radicalizes her and gets her to believe that it is all the fault of the humans and of Talos and that she needs to act um, and, and act forcefully to achieve their goals. And then the second act of her story arc is, is that maybe she is involved with Gravik, but then towards the end, Maybe Gravik does something crazy. You know, maybe he does something a little too radical, a little too extreme, and Gaia starts to pull back a little bit. 
she's it starts she starts to express that um uh um uh man what is the word i'm trying to think of jeez, uh, i don't know it's gonna come to me later but she's she's trying she starts to realize that maybe she's gone too far maybe she didn't take she she was un, being unreasonable perhaps something along those lines um and then in the third act act towards the end of the series she's going to have this moment um, if I had to just completely guess, <laughs> I think it's going to be the trope where Gravik kidnaps Talos, um, and he says, or he forces Gaia to do something to Talos, uh, and then Talos and Gaia have a heart to heart, and uh, eventually she realizes, oh, maybe I've I'm wrong here. You were correct. You were doing things the right way, um. Or maybe it's it's that you weren't doing things the right way, but you had the right state of mind, and I am going to come in and be this new political idealist who is going to be the unity that brings our people together to uh, to fully integrate or or to find our new home and peaceably, you know, uh, interact between the two the two races. That's how I imagine that going. <laughs> I don't know. You know, obviously, a lot of that is, is I mean, 99.9% of that is pure speculation. I mean, the only part of that that isn't speculation is the fact that her name's Gaia, really. You know, we, we have no, I don't have any basis for that. Um, I don't even know, frankly, if, if her character is in the comics, um, which is probably, arguably, something that I should have looked up. <laughs> update she is in fact in the comics okay um there's a lot of stuff here so i guess perhaps maybe she has a oh no there's not a lot of stuff here it just looks like it went on for a little while um so perhaps not super important in the comics but perhaps her story can give us a little um indication as to what her character arc is going to be in in the actual series so i'll do some research there maybe maybe i'll I'll buy the comic that she she appears in meet the scrolls i think i have actually seen that somewhere um at one of the various comic shops so i will do some some research and get back to you when we get a little bit closer to the date um okay so moving on with our sort of cast list here um roadie's back Hooray! Shout out Don Cheadle. What a guy. Um, but notably, this is a different version of Rhodey that than we've seen, according to, you know, Sam Jackson. Um, so typically, you know, I mean, we've seen a little bit of, of Rhodey's sort of political um, inklings, but mostly, you know, he's been the colonel. He's been the war machine. He's been a guy in a suit who is going out and... and you know, shooting, shooting people. Um, but in this, apparently, he's a, a political animal is, is the way that Sam Jackson describes him. Um, and he says that he is the president's right-hand man on this. And so he's going to be making decisions. And they say that some of his decisions are good and some of them are bad. So uh, that leads me to believe that Rhodey, though he's going to be a secondary character, uh, is going to play a, 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 a sort of moderate role in this, which I'm excited about. I, I'm... I really want to see some more of that character. I want to see a little bit more, a little bit more well-rounded sort of dynamic feel. Like it's not that he's been particularly one-sided, but you know, it has kind of mostly been, you know, I mean, that's based mostly off the fact that we just haven't seen all that much of him. Right. I mean, even in Iron Man two and three, he was, he didn't have, or he played a big role, but we didn't really get to see much of his personality, of his, the, of of anything of him other than, I'm the army. I am a member of the army. I am this. I think he's Colonel, Colonel James Rhodes. Um, although maybe he's been promoted since then. I mean, that was a while ago. Not important, I guess. But we haven't seen much of him outside of that aspect, and I'm I'm really excited to see that. I think it's going to be really good, especially considering he's getting his own. Uh, his own film. It is a film now, right? It was a, a a TV series originally, but now it's a film, or was it the other way? It, it's a film now. Okay, so yeah, it used to be a TV series, and now it's a film. Um, 
which I think is probably good for Don Cheadle because I think he deserves to have his own War Machine film. But at the same time, on a personal note, I mean, I think I've discussed this before. Um, I would prefer that to be a TV show just because, you know, I mean, we can get much more out of it. But I do also understand, <laughs> you know, he definitely deserves his own film. Definitely more than than some other people <laughs> but you know whatever it is what it is i'm glad i yeah so yeah i'm glad to see him that'll be fun um and also don Cheadle's awesome next up we have uh olivia coleman who is uh an oscar winning actress she is going to be playing sonia fallsworth and she is uh an mi6 agent who is going to be a secondary character in this who uh would be obviously because she's mi6 acting in the best entrance of the english government so that's interesting i'm glad that we are seeing a little bit more of the global aspect of this if it were just really you know the americans involved it would be a little bit bothersome i mean this is one of those situations where it's like you know if it i don't know i mean like i'm glad that they're they're introducing a sort of broader um, universe here because otherwise if it's just focused on the United States it does get a little bit boring and it's like really nobody else is going to be involved with these world ending events and I suppose that is sort of one I guess criticism is probably the most accurate way um, of like these various things like in, in Avengers nobody was in nobody else was involved. I mean, I get that that sort of in you know invasion of New York City was a very um, it happened very quick, you know, with no warning, and then it was over in I would I don't know the actual time frame, but a couple hours, you know. Um, but then all these other situations, it's like some of these, you know, you would have had advanced warning for, and nobody else is going to be involved, and nobody's going to say anything that we're not going to hear from them. I don't know. It's a little iffy. And obviously we saw a little bit of the um, the more uh, uh, other countries being involved, but with the uh, the Sokovia Accords and um, the, the UN meeting in, um, in Civil War following those, you know, I mean, so it's, it's not like that's been a huge issue lately. Um, they have been definitely expanding that out. So that's pretty good. Um, but I'm glad to see, that it's it's they're they're expanding it out in this, but in a more intimate way, because Sonia Fallsworth has some history with Nick Fury, um, so maybe we're going to get to see some some flashbacks, perhaps, but between with of some interactions between her and 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 Fury, but she's going to be involved, a, a, presumably a moderate amount, which is going to be good. It's not just like. It's not in the sense that like the Soko- the way that the uh, the global community was involved in the in civil war was just like yeah they were there <laughs> but this is like they're involved which I think is is good and super interesting and I'm glad that we're gonna get presumably some more backstory with Nick Fury because you know he has a sort of shady past that we know basically nothing about um, and he's super interesting I would love to see. A little bit more of him and his early spy days though of course sam jackson's getting up there in age so it's not like he's going to get his own show based just around that and even you know any flashback scenes we would get are going to be minimal i would assume you know maybe not minimal minimal in in actual content of the flashbacks not minimal in so far as how many of them we're going to get um but yeah i suppose man that's interesting. I wonder what they are going to do with her. How much they're going to play. How much of, of their interaction is going to be based purely off of like a, a grudge, perhaps, that they would harbor from their past history versus how much of it is going to be um, reacting to to current events. Curious. Um, but I... I don't, I'm not going to lie, guys. I don't know who Olivia Coleman is. <laughs> and maybe that makes me uncultured. But evidently, this is a a portrayal, or this is a character that she has essentially not played before. At least that's the way that, that uh, Sam Jackson described it. He said that he is, or she, I should say, she is cold-blooded. Uh, and it's a, the type of character that we've never seen Olivia Coleman play before. So that's curious. 
I hope she's as good as as this, you know, article leads me to believe because I mean, so far the cast just based off of the trailer and the minimal performances we see there and then also what we've seen from them in the past. I'm really excited. <laughs> but moving forward, we also have Maria Hill making a return. Now, this is one that I'm really excited about. I mean, as I mentioned before, I like Kobe Smolders from How I Met Your Mother, one of my favorite TV shows, um, arguably one of the greatest of all time. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, one of my favorites for sure. Super good. Obviously a very different character from Maria Hill, but uh, I just like her as an actress. But Maria Hill uh, is also going to be a little different in this than we've seen her in the past. You know, in the past, she is really just uh, Fury's lackey. You know, I mean, she was just doing the job. She was just his right-hand person. And, and that was really all that we saw of her. You know, we we got a little bit here and there, but she was a very, very, very tertiary character. Um, in this, she's obviously playing a bigger role because it's centered on Nick Fury. But what I really wanted to um, focus in on with relation to her is these answers that were given in this in this interview. So on her role in this um, series, geez, I almost said film, but I caught myself. Her role in this series, she says, Quote, this is about people on the ground talking to each other and interviewing people and really doing hands-on work to get the information needed. So right there, I mean, I mean, that's obviously pure spy work. I'm so excited. This is, I mean, I'm obviously getting my hopes up that this is going to be the greatest TV show since Sliced Bread. You know, t- Sliced Bread, famous TV show. <laughs> So I, I yeah I, I mean I'm I'm obviously getting my hopes up I'm gonna I need to try to like not do that because then I'm gonna end up letting myself down <laughs> the TV show is gonna be really good but not as good as I want it to be and then I'm gonna end up being upset and complaining about it but it's really hard it looks so good you gotta watch the trailer it was it was really good it was really dope um, but yeah so pure spy work from what it seems like but then on just on the character herself and then her dynamic with Nick Fury, um, Kobe Smulders says, Maria Hill has run out of patience. She's always had this really close relationship with Nick Fury, but he's been gone for so long and she's just been running around putting out fires. And I mean, we obviously saw that a little bit in the teaser trailer where she was like, I've been trying to reach you for however long and now you come back to me only when, you know, you need some help. Um, And in, in the article there, they talk about how Nick Fury only returns and talks to Maria Hill after he realizes that his the people who he thought were his friends, the scrolls are up to some of them at least are up to no good. So I'm really excited. I'm really interested to see the sort of interplay there between those two. Um and I I do want to see Maria Hill come out on top. I want to see Maria Hill take a bigger role in the future. I mean obviously in um a lot of the the Marvel, the more recent Marvel comics, she is the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., or at least she has been in the past. Um, so I think that would be really interesting. I mean, there's some, some of those stories with her at the head are really interesting because she's sort of e- even more shady than Nick Fury sometimes, um, which I think is, would be interesting, uh, especially considering the, uh, the way that they were setting up. Um, man, I can't remember her name. Is it Sharon? Sharon Carter? Um, at the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier, the way that she, she, they're setting her up to sort of be a, a, a maybe villain isn't re- quite the right word, but you know, not exactly a very uh, scrupled actor there. Perhaps, yeah, that's a good, not a villain per se, but a bad actor. That's good. Um, yeah, Sharon Carter played by Emily Van Camp. So I think that would be interesting if we got to see a little more shield action going back and forth. But yeah, I think that that's good. And she's obviously a character... I mean, as I, I mentioned earlier, she's done basically nothing. She's been in a lot of the previous films and, and, and uh, show... Not any shows, I don't think, but films. Um, but she's really just had one character aspect, and that is S.H.I.E.L.D. agent under Nick Fury. So it's going to be really interesting to see a little bit more out of her. I'm, I'm really excited. <laughs> um, and I, I'm super interested to see where they take her character following this series. But moving on to the, the man himself, the man, the myth, the legend, Sam Jackson. Uh, he said that in this series, Nick Fury feels powerless. 
Um, he says that part of the reason that he's sort of been MIA recently is that because so much is going on, obviously with the destruction of S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff, he doesn't necessarily know where he stands anymore. And with the um, the deaths of Black Widow, who he was obviously very close with, um, well, I mean, as close as two spies really can be, I suppose, <laughs> um, but moderately close with, and then uh, Captain America dying, you know, Sam Jackson says that Fury is like checked out. And that's one of the reasons he's been gone for so long. And he's, he feels really powerless. And that is one of the reasons that in Secret Invasion, he's not wearing the eye patch. He's just, you know, most of the, his scenes are just him with the beanie uh, and then his, his messed up eye. And he says that that was a character choice. You know, when he, when he wears the eye patch, uh, that was Nick Fury at his strength. Um, the eye patch signified somebody who was indestructible. Uh, it covered up his vulnerability. And I mean, that's sort of shown a little bit at the end of, uh, of Winter Soldier, I think it is. Yeah, where he, you know, shields destroyed and he leaves his eye patch in that trailer and burns it or whatever. That's sort of signifying that Nick Fury's strength has really left him. And then I suppose that's further exemplified in Age of Ultron, where he shows up and he's like, you know, I used to be powerful. I had eyes and ears everywhere. Now all I've got is you guys, you guys being the Avengers in this scene. Is that the right timeline? I'm pretty sure that's the right timeline. <laughs> um, but yeah, in this, so he, he, there is no eye patch. You can just see his scarred eye, his lovely little milky <laughs> milky little pupil. Um, and the scar is there. And he says that that's, it, he's fully showing his vulnerability because he's not the powerful man that he once was. He's really just this guy. He's no longer the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., this massive, this spy with this massive network, right? He's, he's a bit of a, a lone actor. So I think that's actually really interesting on like a sort of a meta, uh, a meta level. I mean, that's, that isn't necessarily going to play, I mean, I sh that being his eye patch isn't necessarily going to play a, a massive role in the show, but I think it's an interesting way of, of using character design and costume design to exemplify the, the sort of outlook that the character has on the world at the moment. That's really interesting. The, uh, the producer who was also asked, interviewed for this article here, he says that sins from his past are starting to haunt him once again. Now, that is a super intriguing sentence to me. I, I, I'm very curious. I'm, I wonder if he means sins like moral sins, like the consequences of his actions, um, insofar as like they're just going to be these sort of um, memories that he has that are causing him to second-guess himself or... or uh, have a bit of trauma in the present day, or if he means sins in like the physical sense, like uh, d decisions he's made in the past are going to have ramifications on the here and the now. That's interesting to me. I I hope I think it's it's I think it's going to be the second. I think it's going to be the latter. Um, that it's going to be physical ramifications of decisions that he's made in the past, vis-a-vis uh, -vis, like the scrolls, uh, for example, or. Uh, maybe in relation to Sonya Fallsworth, maybe he screwed her over. Um, but I, I would like to see, I would prefer it if they were more metaphysical sins that were haunting him. Um, more, some sort of moral grappling going on with, within himself. Because, I mean, you know, Nick Fury has always been a sort of the ends justify the means kind of character. And I, I would love to see the sort of um, toll that that would take on him. I would imagine that at some at a certain level you know the the amount of people you've killed <laughs> is probably going to start creeping up on you um but i don't know i don't know interesting it is interesting nonetheless and um notably in the trailer there i think they make mention of the avengers in some capacity um and he says that he's not calling them in and in this article they say that there's a good reason he's holding them back um, them being the Avengers. I don't, I, man, I want to know like why that is like, that, that, that's all I said. There's, they said there's a good reason, but obviously it's going to be, you know, revealed in the show. I don't know what it is. I wonder if it's like, man, it's so curious because evidently 
the the main characters of this show want him to call them in, but he's refusing. So I don't know what that means. I wonder if it's going to be a situation wherein like he's not calling them in because um, they're going to obviously realize that he's made some poor decisions, and then there's going to be some some ramifications or or what's going on there. But I'm super excited for this show. I'm super excited. It's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Um, no, it's not going to be great. It's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Um, stop hyping yourself up. Start, or stop hyping it up. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's all we've really got for Secret Invasion for the time being. But I mean, that was a lot of information. You know, I mean, this was a hefty article. But yeah, I suppose we will just have to see. We're probably going to get some more promotional material, various posters and stuff that might give us a clue um, as to the actual content of the show. Maybe even another trailer, though I'm not confident about that. Probably not, frankly, since it's not that far out. Um, but either way, we will be back in a couple months with a review of that because I'm super excited. Moving on, staying within the MCU, we do have um, a little update for Thunderbolts, which you may remember is the sort of ragtag group of hooligans um, that has been set up by um, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus from Seinfeld fame. Um, and I think the lineup is, who was it? It was ghost, um, from Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, us agent from Falcon and winter soldier, uh, taskmaster from black widow, red guardian from black widow. Um, uh, what's her name? Oh my God. This is going to bother me. Cause I love her. Yelena, Yelena. I love Yelena. <laughs> she's so fine. Um, what? I mean, she's a lovely, incredibly well-rounded character with with a great story um no she's great i mean i loved her and she was i think her performance in her little camp maybe not cameo her little role in the hawkeye tv show was awesome it uh it really sold me on her a little bit more not that i i mean i thought she was good in black widow as well but that movie had other issues that sort of distracted me (laughs) who else is in this again oh obviously Wow, that was embarrassing. Um, and then obviously, <laughs> the final member is is Sebastian Stan's Winter Soldier. Wow, I can't believe I didn't remember that because he is literally my favorite MCU character. That's really sad. Um, but yeah, so that's the crew. Um, and the estimated release for that is July 26, 2024. And the only news we have regarding that is that it has a new writer, um, Lee Sung Jin, uh, the writer for the the new show beef which i think premieres uh on the 6th and i guess has has already been lauded it's it's got some um some critical praise there uh i i don't know i mean i'm not really into ah, we'll see uh, i might watch it i think it's on netflix but he was tapped to write do to do some rewrites after uh eric pearson the writer for black widow completed his draft and I think I heard that the reason that they tapped uh, Lee Suk Jin in was because that the original script was a little too heavy on the Black Widow characters, and uh, they wanted to rewrite it a little bit so it was more of a team. Uh, the, the focus was more on the team and all the characters equally. Um, but it, that being said, it is just a rewrite, not a huge overhaul. So uh, I don't know. I mean... I didn't necessarily this the writing for Black Widow wasn't incredible, so I'm not I don't really care either way. Um, it is a little bit disconcerting that uh, the new writer Lee Sung Jin said that it's he's literally never written anything like this before. Um, it's an entirely new style of writing and new everything, um, and the only reason that he agreed to do it was because he is friends with a bunch of the people involved, which doesn't, you know, fill me with confidence. (laughs) But that being said, perhaps he's a phenomenal writer. You know, like I said, I haven't seen um, anything he's done. Uh, So we'll have to hold out a little bit for that. That's still obviously a year and some change away. So plenty of time. I believe that is supposed to start filming in a couple months, though. So a little bit of a short window for rewrites, but we will see. I'm I'm. I'm assuming that the finished product for that is not going to be great. I, <laughs> as soon as they announced like the um, the team members, I was like, oh, this is this is not going to be 
an, an exact an exactly an incredible piece of cinema. Um, but that's mostly just because I don't like David Harbour, you know, not even David Harbour personally, though I'm not a big fan of him. I don't like the Red Guardian. I thought it was stupid. <laughs> he had some funny scenes, but I was like, okay, this is at, at like halfway through the movie. I was like, okay, this is just boring. You're literally just saying the same thing in different ways every single scene. But we will hold out hope. Maybe it's a little bit, maybe they're going to make him a little bit more serious uh, and a little bit less of a one, one, uh, one, I was going to say one trick pony, but that's not quite the right phrase. But you get the gist of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all we've got for Thunderbolts. Our final piece of news. Uh, we're going to switch over to the DC universe for a little bit, and that is going to be about Blue Beetle. So that trailer just dropped. Um, and longtime listeners of the show will remember that I was not exactly super excited about this one. Um, I didn't know anything really about the character. I wasn't particularly interested. I, I knew that he was involved with Batman, the Brave and the Bold animated TV show, which I didn't necessarily like all that much. Um, but Shade was really excited about this, and we got a trailer. And honestly, the trailer looks pretty good. You know, <laughs> the trailer looks pretty good. Um, the suit, the, the Blue Beetle suit actually looks pretty cool. Um, when I first saw pictures of it, um, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get to watch the trailer as soon as it dropped. So I saw a few pictures of it and I was like, oh, this looks ridiculous. But actually in the trailer, the, the, tra- the, the suit looks really interesting and the introduction to like the, like the way the suit was put on and then even the introduction to like his powers or some of his powers, I should say, um, like when he flew up into space, that was dope. Like that was, that looked really, really good. Um, but that being said, some of the CGI does look pretty stupid. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not. A, some of it just looks like, and I don't think. I mean, okay, maybe maybe it's not the actual CGI itself that looks stupid, but the concept, the the concept of some of these things is just ridiculous. Um, like there's one part where he cuts a bus in half. I thought that looked really stupid. Although like the 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 wings that like shielded him looked kind of cool it was just the actual i don't know i I have to rewatch the trailer to remind myself fully of what i thought looked stupid there um but i mean and and then like the weird part at the end with like the sword and then the big like monster hunter sword that was that looked pretty stupid to me frankly i don't know like it, it it looks some of it looks really good like i said like the suit um and then the cgi of him going to space looked really good but some of it is just stupid. <laughs> um, I one thing I did notice about the trailer, though, was that the villain was almost entirely absent. I think she only had like one frame, which, I mean, I'm not. I don't know. I mean, like, and this this is just a, on a personal note. I think a hero is only as good as their villains. You know, I mean, that's why I think. Batman is so incredible because not only is he, I mean, that's why he's my favorite superhero. Not only is he a great hero in and of itself, but his rogues gallery is just phenomenal. I mean, the Joker, Two-Face, Penguin. Um, I, I mean, there's, there's just so many, I'm Black Mask. There's so many options. They're so good. And that's why I think like, as much as I love Captain America, I don't think his rogues gallery is all that great. I, I mean, his, his, He's got what Red Skull and Baron Zemo. Like those are good. They're really good. I mean, I like those villains a whole lot, but they're not as compelling as as the Batman Rogues Gallery is. And ah, uh, man, I don't know. And it, like, it's it just it, it makes me think. Like the fact that the villain was mostly absent from the trailer, it leads me to believe this movie is going to focus like ninety nine percent on the Blue Beetle. Which I mean, you know. It's an origin story, you know, I mean, like, like, I'm not saying it shouldn't focus on him, it's his movie, but, like, I think it seems to me that the the focus of this film is going to be mostly on the Blue Beetle struggling to figure out his, his, like, what he's, what he's got going on, figuring out his own life, which some people like that, I personally don't. I think... Obviously, it's an origin story, so you got to have a little bit of the bumbliness and figuring out what's what, but I think... 
I don't know. I just think the villain has to play a big role. But that's just me. That's just me. Um, another thing that I noticed in the trailer that really irritates me <laughs> um, is like the family, the, the family of the Blue Beetle. Now, I, I don't get me wrong. Um, I think, you know, you can do like a, a superhero story where the family is a main focus and do it well. I'm not opposed to that per se, but what I am opposed to is when like the regular people like his his mom and dad and it would look like his sister are directly involved in the superhero action. I don't like that at all. I think that's stupid. It <laughs> it's all I never I, I, okay, let me rephrase. I'm not going to say never. I almost almost never like when um like just regular people who happen to know the superhero are directly involved with the confrontation at hand. You know, like when you introduce family, they are secondary. But according to this trailer, it looks like they're going to be playing a major role. And that just irritates me. Like they're regular people. Okay. <laughs> like they wouldn't, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm, Again, maybe I'm maybe in the minority on this, and uh, maybe they'll explain it away in the film. But like, just in general, I, I think if the family is going to be a, a focal point of the story, then it needs to be in the regular person aspect of the superhero, not in the superhero aspect. But that's just me. <laughs> so you know, my for my final sort of opinion i guess on on this on this movie my revised opinion on the blue beetle movie is that i'm excited to see it but it's not one that i'm i i want to go see in the theater you know like i'm not clamoring to go see this i don't want to spend 12 dollars on a ticket to go see this i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna obviously um it's a superhero movie <laughs> i'm gonna go see it and i'm gonna spend the stupid amount of money on popcorn and on tickets and but I just, I really don't want to. This is one that I would be happy to just wait until it got uploaded to HBO Max and then I would watch it there. Hmm. Speaking of like HBO Max, I wonder how this fits into the DCEU versus the DCU. That's going to be curious. I don't know. I still don't know what they're doing with that. Um, and I mean, this obviously comes out after Flash, but it was planned uh, before, or it was announced before, wait. It was announced before the the DCU like reset was announced. So I don't know what they're doing here. Uh, maybe it's going to be set in the new universe. Maybe it's going to be set in the old v universe, and he's going to be brought into the universe somehow. I don't know. The the whole DCU is is iffy. Um, we'll have to wait. You know what is? I think it does it come out in July. The Flash. I suppose I should see when when the Blue Beetle is is supposed to be released as well. I didn't even think of that. August 18th and and the flash is June 16th okay so obviously I I thought it was like I thought we weren't getting the blue beetle until like early 2024 um I guess I didn't <laughs> even though I watched the trailer like 10 minutes ago or I suppose at this point you know it's like an hour and a half ago but even though I'd watched it recently I already forgot the release date so I guess that shows you how excited I am for this film that I didn't even watch the trailer long enough to see when it was going to be released. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. I suppose since it takes place after Flash, they could just say it's in the new universe and then just, you know, avoid any any issues whatsoever. That That's what they're going to do. I mean, I don't know why. Yeah, I guess because it was announced before the DCU reset. I mean, there could have been an argument there. But yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's obviously going to be set in the new universe. Um, but yeah, like I said, this is one that I'm moderately excited to see but I'm not excited to spend $12. <laughs> um, but yes, that is all of our news stories this week. Um, I do have one final note that I uh, just wanted to throw at you guys to see how, how you felt. Um, I've been getting back into comics lately, and I was, I've been considering, and I've talked to Shade a little bit about this, and we both sort of vaguely agree that we want to do like a comics episode every once in a while sort of like a, a sort of in-depth comic review now which was is that something that you all would be interested in hearing and if so 
what do you think the um the first the first uh um comic <laughs> wow i can't believe i couldn't remember that word the first comic that we do should be we could uh, we could do the by we could do the secret invasion by brian michael bendis uh the only issue with that one is that i don't have you know that was a, a line-wide event and i don't have you know all of the comics from all the various uh spin-off issues i only have the main comic um so that one might be a little bit cause some issues but also that's one that maybe we would want to wait until we're a little bit closer to the re- release date of the show some other ideas i i was thinking um the flashpoint uh the flashpoint graphic novel since that movie's going to be coming out soon or uh, we talked about the last ronin um the tmnt one i just read that last week and that was really good um i know once we get a little bit closer to the Daredevil Born Again um, series release date, I definitely want to do one um, that is about Frank Miller's run. Um, I mean, specifically the Born Again comic, but I think I want to do one sort of like a retrospective on Miller's entire run. Uh, let's see, what else? Some other possibilities. I mean, the Swamp Thing. Um, I, I bought Alan Alan Moore's comic, which is the, the basis for that the DCU movie. Oh, and also the Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. Um, but the ones that I thought would be most easy to do now, since they're not necessarily related to current things, um, would be uh, Captain America, the the Ed Brubaker Captain America run. I now have his, thanks to my dad, shout out pops. <laughs> Thank you for the birthday presents. Um, I now have his full first run and I've been wanting to read that for a while. So maybe I could do like a, a retrospective of that whole line. Um, or another possibility, something that's not... I mean, this is slightly... Uh, 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 what am I trying to say here? Slightly related to something. So maybe this is one that could wait. Um, but I was thinking of possibly doing reviews for stories that I thought the Batman Part 2 might be based on. So I I probably do the long Halloween. Um, maybe we've, we've been seeing some um, possibilities that Clayface is going to be sh- appear, appearing in that movie. So maybe I'll do a, I could read a Batman story um, where Clayface is the main villain. But um, so yeah, wh- what, are, what are your guys thoughts? Uh, feel free to sh- send us a DM on Instagram with uh with what you think or you know what i'm actually going to do it this way um i'm going to post a poll on the story on instagram with a couple different options um i think the ones i'm going to put on there will be secret invasion captain america the batman and and the last ronin i'm going to save daredevil swamp thing and supergirl um until we get a little bit closer to the release dates for those things but oh geez uh not the last ronin so <laughs> uh sorry I'm, I'm coming up with this idea on the fly so a little bit disjointed um the options on the poll are going to be secret invasion uh flashpoint um captain america by ed brubaker's run or possible the batman part two inspirations um so the day that this episode goes live, I will post that on the story and I will, would lo- we would love to hear your input so that Shade and I could do something. Um, cause we think that's fun. I mean, obviously we we're a big fan of comics. Uh, that's obviously the, the origin really of, um, of, of a lot of this superhero, uh, obsession, let's say. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's really all we've got today. Um, if you enjoyed this episode or maybe not even this episode, maybe you thought this one sucks, but if you've enjoyed episodes in the past, um, go ahead and if you don't mind, share it with, with a friend or two so that we can, you know, grow a little bit more, uh, and, and justify spending hours on end doing this. <laughs> um, cause we enjoy it. We like it a lot. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. Um, but yeah, if you don't mind, that would be great. But uh, we will, we will, I suppose that, yeah, that's probably, that's probably plenty. I've jabbered.
Uh, I think jabber is like one of my new favorite words. Um, jabber, blather. I think those are all great words to um, describe the fact that I've I've been talking for for about nothing for hours on end. Um, <laughs> but yes, either way, I've got on for logging up. So we will catch you next week. <laughs>